hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 9, 35 through chapter 10, verse 8 from the New Living Translation. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Simon the zealot. Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give, a, give as freely as you have received. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It is so good to be back with you, and whether this is your very first Sunday here or your thousandth Sunday here, just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to be here with us. We're glad that you are here, and I want to take just a moment and look right into that camera and welcome all of you who are joining us online, whether you're watching this live in this moment right now or on demand sometime later. We're so glad that you're here. And I know everyone here in the room wants to welcome you. So congregation, can we welcome those who are joining us online today? It's good to be back with you. I was gone for a couple weekends. I had a weekend trip two weekends ago to New York. My dad got married. So my mom passed away in 2019. And my dad has been uh, looking for a partner. And he found one. And they decided to get married. And so uh, we went, I went out there with Sean and Jenna, and we traveled out for the weekend and celebrated with my dad. And then last weekend, my wife and I were away celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. <clears throat> she has put up with me that long, and she deserves a lot of prayer and appreciation for that. So, um, but man, we are so glad to be back with you this weekend and starting a brand new message series today, which is going to carry us through the end of this month. And I've been so excited to share these messages with you that I've been working on for the last couple of months. And we're going to start that today. It's a series that I'm calling Everyday Church. And if you've been around here for a while, some of this will be review for you, and that's okay, because it's good for us to review things that are important. But if you're newer around here, like over the last couple of years you've started attending this church, um, it might be important for you just to hear all in one message series, kind of who we are and what we believe and what we're focused on. We believe God's given us a really clear mission and a really clear vision of what he wants us to be working on in these next few years. And in this series, I'm going to try as clearly as I can to just put all of that together in a single series to say, this is who we are, this is why we exist, and this is what we're focused on. And my hope and prayer is twofold. One, that as a congregation, we will have greater clarity about what God wants us to be working on for these next two or three years together. And not only that we would have clarity, but more importantly, that every single one of us would have a renewed commitment to come together as God's people in this place for this time to do what God is asking us to do. And so before we launch into this series, I want to just pause and pray. I know we've prayed in this service, but I want to pray one more time, and I want to just ask God to speak to us during this time. So would you pray with me? God, we come before you this morning in this service, and we are grateful for the opportunity we've had to worship you, to lift up your name, to exalt you, and to praise you. And God, the time that we've had in this service to seek your face, to pray, to ask you to do a work in our land, to bring healing and, and restoration 
to this place, this planet where we live. And God, I believe that you have called Lakeview Church together for this time and this season to join with you in that work. We're not just asking you to do something, God. We're asking you to to take us as your people, to take this church as your church and use it for your purposes in Marion and in Grant County and literally around the world. God, use us for your glory and for your honor and for the work that you are doing in this world. And so God, as we walk through this message series, I am simply praying that you would give us clarity, clarity about why we exist as a local body of believers and what you're calling us to do. And and God, I pray that you would give us clarity so that we know how to go about doing what you have asked us to do. And most importantly, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us in such a powerful way that we would have new and fresh commitments to be everything that you are dreaming of us being for this community. So God, we give you this time, we give you this sermon series, and we give you this church because it is your church. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. The family of five had just gotten off a ride at Disney World, and there was a lot of excitement uh, because they really enjoyed the ride. There were different parts of the ride that each member of the family enjoyed, and and so they, they kind of come off the ride, you know, and they exit you in the gift shop because they want you to buy stuff. And, and, and then you kind of got to navigate through the gift shop, which they did. But the family was kind of talking over each other because everyone was excited. Everyone was thrilled with this ride that they had just experienced. And they came out of the gift shop and, and they were all there together. And the mom was on the Disney app. She was looking for what's next on the agenda because you got to plan out every minute of your day at Disney. You can't just go and take it in. You got to have a plan. And she had a plan. And so earlier in the day when they were riding the tram to the park, they had decided what they were going to have for lunch because you got to do that down at Disney. You got to decide early in the day what you want to eat and what time you want to eat. And, and then you can go ahead and place your order and get it all ready. And then when you're walking to the place where you're going to eat, you can just hit order. And then when you get there, your food is ready. And, and, and so the mom had planned all this out. And so they had all chosen their meals. And so as they left the gift shop after getting off of the ride, they, they came out into the park and she pushed the order button because lunch is next. And she pointed the family in a direction to say, we're headed that way. And they all started walking in that direction. The dad of this family is different than me. He actually has long legs, and he likes to lead the way. I tend to follow up behind in my family with my little short legs carrying me as fast as they will take me. But in this particular family, the father liked to take the lead, and he was out in front of his family going in the direction that his wife had said they needed to go. They had been walking for a little while and their talking had died down a little bit and they were now thinking about the food that they were getting ready to consume and they realized just how hungry they were in this moment and they started walking with more and more of a purpose to get to lunch. After they'd been walking for a few minutes, the dad stopped to look back to make sure everyone was all together and it was in that moment that he got that sinking feeling the feeling that every parent in this room has probably had at least one time in your parenting journey when you recognize one of your children is missing. They're not in the pack anymore. As the father looked back on his family, he realized that Devin, their middle of three children, was missing. And it's important for you to understand that, that Devin, Devin had just turned 10 years old. He just celebrated his birthday at a local pizza restaurant with family and friends. And, 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 and this child was on the spectrum. And so for him to get separated from his family in an environment like Disney with all of the noise and the chaos and the crowds was for him quite overwhelming. 
And in fact, it was very likely that if he'd been separated from his family, he would probably shut down. He would be so overwhelmed with what he was experiencing that, that in fact, it would almost cause him physical pain. And so when the dad looks back and realizes Devin is gone, he's got that sinking feeling and he realizes that they've got to find Devin. Now, I know that you don't know Devin and you don't know his family, but, but can you just for a moment imagine you are one of Devin's parents? Just put yourself right there in that spot. You've got two kids, but one of them is missing. What are you thinking in that moment? What are you feeling in that moment? And what are you doing? in that moment. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to consider what you would be thinking. You would be thinking, how could I have let this happen? Why wasn't I paying closer attention? Why wasn't I zeroed in on where Devin was to make sure he was tracking with our family? How could I have gotten so hungry for lunch that I was only looking forward and I didn't take the time to look back? And even more, where is Devin? What's he experiencing right now? Has he been abducted? Is he in pain? Is he hurt? What, what has happened to him and what is going to happen to him? It doesn't take a lot of imagination to consider what you'd be feeling. Your heart would be in the bottom of your stomach. You'd have a rush of adrenaline because it seems like now you've got a mission that must be completed. You've got to find him. And while you're feeling that rush of adrenaline, you also have anxiety and you have worry because you don't know where he is and you don't know what he's experiencing and you don't know what he's going through and you're starting to have this sense of worry and fear. Will I be able to find him? And in the time it takes me to find him, is something bad gonna happen to him? And it doesn't take any imagination at all to think about what you'd be doing in that moment. You are scanning every bit of the crowd around you. You are looking at everyone's head, trying to determine, is Devin there? And you're, you're looking behind tables and in cracks and crevices around the building, just trying to find where he's at. You're retracing your steps. You might even be calling out, Devin, Devin, where are you? Doesn't take a lot of imagination to consider what you'd be doing in that moment. And I want you just to, to sit in that moment right outside of Bonjour Village Gifts between the Little Mermaid ride and Be Our Guest restaurant. Right there. Missing Devin. He's lost and you don't know where to find him. Now imagine in that moment one of your other kids coming up to you and saying, I'm really hungry. I thought we were going to lunch. Can't we look for Devin later? That wouldn't fly, right? You might be short another kid after that moment, right? Why, why doesn't that fly? Because you've got a lost kid. And it doesn't really matter what else was on the agenda once your child is lost, whatever was on the agenda, no matter how important it was or how much you were looking forward to doing it, no matter how much all of your energy was focused on it, when a child is lost, everything else gets pushed to the background. Because the only thing that matters in that moment is finding the child who is lost. In fact, in that moment, you recognize that nothing else matters until that child is found. It is an all-out search for the child that is missing. Now, think about that story. And instead of Devin's father, I want you to think of God the Father. And when you think of Devin, I want you to think about every single person in our city and in our county and in our world who is one of God's lost kids. Doesn't take much imagination to wonder what God is thinking about his lost kids. 
He's thinking, how can I find them? How can I draw them back to myself? How can I put people in their pathway so that they will see what it looks like to live in relationship with me? And what does it take for me to get my lost kids back into a relationship with me? And it doesn't take much imagination to, to consider what God might be feeling when he thinks about his lost kids. His heart is broken. He's in an all-out search mode. He's trying to find his kids and bring them back into a relationship with himself. You see, God, above everything else, has a single focused mission. He is in an all-out search for his lost kids. This is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 is so broken. Because he's in an environment where he's been doing ministry for a couple of days, but he comes into a space where he sees a whole crowd of people, many of whom represent God's lost kids, and Jesus sees them as God's lost kids. And in that moment, he is moved with compassion. His heart is broken. Why? Because he identifies that these are the kids that God is searching for. More than anything else, he knows his father just wants to bring them back into a relationship with himself. In Matthew chapter 9, the story that Josh read for us just a few moments ago is really the story of Jesus encountering this crowd. And there are really four movements in this story that we see that I think are really important to kind of identify because I think they teach us something. We recognize in Matthew chapter 9, the first thing is that Jesus sees the crowd. He's been ministering for a couple of days, and, and no doubt he's tired and perhaps weary, but, but he comes to the end of this ministry journey, and he sees a crowd of people, and he sees more than their physical presence. He doesn't just see people in front of him. He actually looks beyond the physical components of who they are, and he begins to see their spiritual condition. He actually sees them as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees into the condition of their soul. And when he sees them, it brings us to the second movement of this passage where he is literally moved with compassion. Jesus sees the crowd, and then because he sees their spiritual condition, he's moved with compassion. And this word compassion literally means a gut-level response that a person has because they feel something based on what they've just seen or experienced. Jesus sees the crowd, and somewhere deep inside of him, not, not a surface-level emotion, not like, oh, isn't that a shame, or or that's too bad. No, that's not what Jesus was experiencing. Jesus was experiencing anguish deep in the core part of who he is as a person. He's moved with compassion. Jesus sees the crowd. He's moved with compassion. And then he issues a challenge. You might expect the challenge to be disciples, get out there and win the loss, but that's not what he issues as the challenge. He talks to his disciples next. He says, guys, can you see how many of them there are? He uses a, a term, harvest. He says the harvest is plentiful. He looks at this crowd of people and he says, there's so many of them, so many of God's lost kids out there and there's so few workers to go out there and tell them that God wants a relationship with them. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, so what I need you guys to do is get on your faces and pray. And the word he uses for pray here is actually a word that means beg. It's not just a, a little simple polite prayer like we might teach our kids to pray before they go to bed. No, this is, this is an all-out crying out to God, begging God, the one who loves his lost kids, to raise up people who will join the search party to go find them. Jesus sees the crowd. He's moved with compassion. He issues a challenge, and then he calls his disciples to go. Sometimes we read Matthew 9 and we stop at the end of the chapter, but 
But I asked Josh to keep reading into chapter 10 because they go together. Jesus issues a challenge. He says, guys, I need you to pray that there'd be more workers to go out and tell these people that they're God's lost kids and he wants a relationship with them. And then it's like a trick prayer. Jesus gets his disciples to pray for more workers and then he invites them to be the answer to their own prayers. He calls his disciples to himself and he says, now that you have prayed, answer your prayer. Get out there and be a worker in the harvest field. Go and announce the kingdom of God. Heal the sick, cast out demons. Help those who are broken and hurting and lost and confused. Help them find leadership and guidance into the relationship that will change their life and help them discover why they were born in the first place. Four movements that we see in Matthew chapter nine. Four movements that I think have an awful lot to teach us about being the kind of church that God wants us to be. So I wanna just give you an application for each one of those movements in this story. Things that I think you and I ought to do if we're going to be serious about being the church that I think God dreams of when he dreams about Lakeview Church. And the first one is this. We have to see the crowd. We have to see the crowd. When we think about God raising up workers and sending them out into the harvest field to tell God's lost kids that they're lost and they can come back into a relationship with their father and their God and their creator, we often think of missions. And we should because that's what missions is at its core. It's taking the gospel message from here, from a group of people who already have it, and sending them out to a group of people who do not have that message so that that person can live among that group of people. Figure out the language that they speak and the, the ways that they could help the gospel resonate in that culture. And then in that place, living incarnationally among those people, they could share the gospel with them. This is what missions is. But we often think, when we think of missions, we think about foreign mission fields. And again, we should. There are millions and millions of people in our world today who have never heard the name of Jesus. Never heard it. It's not that they have decided to reject Jesus. They've never actually had his name come into their ears. And there are people like that all over our world. And we have to continue to raise up people and send them out to go take the gospel into those places so they can hear the name of Jesus and respond. But we think about missions as happening somewhere else in some other location, and, and it needs to happen in those places. But I want to just remind you today that you and I are living increasingly on a mission field. I'm not trying to diminish in any way what we talk about when we talk about foreign missions. We have to be involved in that. We have to be involved in that. We cannot call ourselves a church if we are not committed to global missions. I think if we, if we try to be a church without global missions, we are ignoring that Jesus said, you ought to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So we have to think about global missions. But we cannot think about global missions as if we are buying environmental credits. Do you know what environmental credits are? It's when you, you pay someone to plant a tree somewhere else so you can pollute here. It's dumb. Because it, it's just saying, I don't really care that much about the environment. I'm going to pay you to be a really good environmentalist while I keep polluting the planet. It doesn't, it doesn't make much sense to me. How about if you just cut back on polluting in the planet? but we treat missions the same way. I'll give some money, I'll send someone to another part of the world, I'll feel better 
because I participated in the mission of God. And when I go to work on Monday morning, I don't have to talk about Jesus because that makes me nervous and people might not like me. And I would just rather keep that to myself. After all, my faith is private and personal. And we buy missionary credits and we forget that you and I live right here, right now on a mission field. And you might be questioning whether that's true. Don't we have a lot of churches and don't a lot of people you know go to church and love Jesus? Except right here in Grant County where we have about 70,000 people who live in this county. A recent survey found that 42,000 of them have no religious affiliation at all. It's not just that they're not Christian. They're not Buddhist. They're not Hindu. They're not Muslim. They're not anything. They literally checked the box none, N-O-N-E, and said, I don't have any religion at all in my life, period. Of the remaining 28,000, a good number of them did check other religions. They're Buddhist, they're Hindu, they're Muslim, they're some other faith other than Christian. And let me just boil that down to help you understand what that means. That means for every 10 people you get in a room with, six of them do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ at a minimum. Six of them do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if they were to die today, they would spend an eternity separated from God. And I know we don't like to talk about this and we don't like to think about it, but it's true. And how many of us get up every single day and think to ourselves, I am a missionary in Grant County. Or do we just get up and think, i got so much on my schedule today, I'm kind of busy, I've got to go here and I've got to do this and I've got to take care of that and I've got this to-do list and the kids have this game and I've got to get to this thing and I've got to do groceries and laundry and now the grass needs cutting. Thank you, spring, for finally arriving. And, and we, get, we got all these things and we blow past people in our lives all day long, many of them who don't know Jesus, and we never see them. We never see them. I'm asking you today, if we are gonna be serious about being the church that God dreams about when he dreams about Lakeview Church, we have to get on our face before God and say, God, open our eyes so that we can see the crowds. Not just their physical presence, but their spiritual condition because they're all around us and they don't know Jesus And they need to know who he is because they are God's lost kids and he's searching for them. Second application from this story, we have to see the crowds, but secondly, we have to feel their brokenness. Again, it's very easy for us, I think, to just go so fast through life that that even if we do have a twinge of of sadness for people's, uh, the fact that they're lost and they're separated from God, we're moving so fast that the emotions just fly off of us. We're just like, don't slow down because then you might feel something. And we just go fast and we get busy and we wear busyness as a badge as if that makes us someone special because we're so busy. But in reality, it would help us just to slow down a little bit so we can feel what's going on around us. We live in a city and a county full of people who are broken, who are hurting, who are confused, who are lost, whose lives are messed up and in shambles and and you know them. You live around them. You work alongside of them. You go to school with them. You live next door to them. They're all around us. And we need to feel their brokenness. And maybe your experience is like mine. Sometimes I just just want the crowds to go away. It's like, I got it. I got stuff to do. Maybe that's just me. Sometimes I get angry or frustrated at the crowds. 
And I blame them for behaving like lost people. And then I'm just pointing a judgmental finger in anger and frustration at them just being who they are. Sometimes I just want the crowds to just be done. I just want, I just want to move past. I just want to get my people huddle in a crowd and just hang out with people who think like me, believe like me, behave like me, and we'll all just have a great time together. But any of those things, any of those things miss out on what it means to be a missionary. Missionaries don't point a judgmental finger. Missionaries welcome and embrace people in because they've got a message that they want to give. They want to be able to enter into a conversation and let them know that there's a different way to approach life. There's a different way to consider these things. And I'm just asking us to say, God, can you open our eyes so we can see? And then can you move in our hearts so that we can feel the brokenness that's all around us? Because we've got work to do. Third, I'm asking you to, to pray for workers. I think this is directly out of the story. Jesus, after he sees the crowd, after he feels something for them, he asks his disciples, get on your knees. Kneel down and pray to the God who is over all of these lost people, all of God's lost kids. Pray to him and ask him to raise up more workers. Listen, we need more workers. And when I pray for our church and when I pray for every church in our community, and by the way, I pray for every church in our community, and you should too. When you drive by a church, that church is never our competition. That church is on the same team and we are all working for the same cause to see our community come into a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes everything about who they are, about their marriage, their family, their street, their workplace, their school environment. We ought to be praying for revival in our community. And I pray that it will happen here at Lakeview, but if it happens at another church, so be it. I just want a work of God in our community where we live because we need it. We gotta be people who are on our faces before God praying and seeking his face. Listen, nothing is gonna change in our world without us being people of prayer. We have to prioritize prayer. This is what Jesus told us to do. Get on your faces before me and beg that God would raise up workers. Because we need more workers. And then the last thing that I would say to us is that we need to become an everyday missionary. You need to become an everyday missionary. When you, when you start seeing the crowds and you start feeling their brokenness and you start praying regularly for more workers to be raised up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen you are going to come face to face with a decision to make. And that decision is very simply this. Will you be the worker that you've been praying for or will you disobey God? He doesn't, he doesn't give us an option. He doesn't say, come follow me and if you'd like to, maybe someday you could fish for people. No, he says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. This is part of the journey and it's not just for a few people in the journey, it's for everyone who is in the journey. So if you get on your face and you pray that God would raise up workers, I'm just telling you, you're gonna come to a decision moment where God's gonna put someone on your heart who doesn't know him, one of his lost kids, and he's gonna commission you to go and be his ambassador, his representative in that place, in that front of that person, and you're gonna have a decision to make to do what God is asking you to do, even if it makes your palms sweaty and your mouth dry, even if you're nervous and you don't wanna do it because your religion's private, and I get all of that, but you're going to have to make a decision. Will you do what he has commissioned you to do or will you say, no, thank you, God. I've got too many other things on my agenda today. 
Can't we just go to lunch and look for Devin later? Become an everyday missionary. You say, well, what is an everyday missionary? An everyday missionary is someone who recognizes that God has placed them in front of a group of people. For some of you, that group is a large group, and for some of you, it's a small group. But an everyday missionary recognizes who are the people in my life that God has put me in front of, and you take spiritual responsibility for those people. You make a decision in that moment to say, you know what, I'm, I'm the pastor of these people. Don't get weirded out by that term because that term is used all throughout scripture to say anyone who shepherds a group of people is a pastor and you don't have to have a degree and you don't have to be ordained to be a pastor and a shepherd of people. God's put you in front of someone and it's your job to be a spiritual influence in their life. And all you have to do to be an everyday missionary is just take responsibility. Just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoulder that responsibility, God, because I think you're giving it to me. And in that moment, you become Christ's ambassador, his representative, his missionary in front of those people. An everyday missionary recognizes that their primary calling in life the thing that they must do above everything else is join the search party for God's lost kids and help people become followers of Jesus. Every single one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, that is your calling. That's what Jesus has said about each and every one of us. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. You're called to make disciples, that's your primary calling. But every single one of us has a personality and a passion and a set of spiritual gifts and strengths and skills that God has uniquely gifted you with. God put you together in your mother's womb just the way he wanted you to be. And, and he wants you to become everything that he created you to be. You should not try to be someone else. You will always be a poor imitation. And while you're trying to be someone else, the world will miss out on the masterpiece that God was trying to paint in your life. God created you a certain way. Be who he created you to be. I love Soren Kierkegaard's prayer, and now, Lord, with your help, I will become myself. We all need to pray that prayer. God, help me become the exact person that you were dreaming of when you formed me in my mother's womb. And help me to express every part of my personality and gifts and abilities and strengths that you have given to me. And if there's any part of my character or personality or anything about me that does not reflect the character of Christ, strip that away and get rid of that so that I can be the person you've created me to be in a way that looks like Jesus. And here's the thing. If you will do that, you will find yourself having a platform for influence. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. You need to find your good works, the good works that God created you for, and go do them. And as you do them, God's going to give you a platform and an opportunity to fulfill your primary calling of making disciples. So if you find yourself as a school teacher, you ought to be the best school teacher that you could possibly be. Not because you'll get paid more or because the school will honor you. You ought to be the best school teacher you can be because you work for the Lord and he deserves your best. And as you serve as the best school teacher that you could possibly be and you hone your skills and you sharpen your abilities and you give everything that you could possibly give into that work, you're gonna have opportunities to influence students and their families and even beyond that into our community because you're doing your secondary calling really well in a way that honors God, but you're given opportunities to fulfill your first calling of making disciples and spiritually influencing people for the kingdom of God. And take that same analogy and play it into every field represented in our church. 
whether you work in higher education, whether you work in a restaurant, or you work on a farm, or you build buildings, or you fix pipes, or you are, you are a maintenance person or a janitor, or you work for some company doing some great thing in another part of the world. It doesn't matter what God has wired you to do. If you do that to the best of your ability in a way that honors God, and you use that to fulfill your first calling of making disciples, God will put our church into every part of our community and he will use us to bring transformation. This is what we are called to as Lakeview Church. That's why I need you to become an everyday missionary. Disciples are not made in a church service. It's not where they're made. Disciples are made in the places where God has put you. And if you want to see our world full of more disciples, all it takes is for every single one of us to become an everyday missionary. That's all it takes. That's what is required for us. That's what God is asking of our church that we would be a community of everyday missionaries and we would gather together and we would worship the God who has sent us out and we would be encouraged and we would be strengthened by his word, but then we would be sent out for the rest of the week and we would not cease being the church when church service ended. We would go out into our community and we would be the church out there and we would be influencing people in our community 42,000 who don't have any religion at all. The six out of 10 that you interact with who don't know who Jesus is, we would be influencing them for the kingdom of God. And that's why we exist. And that's the only reason we exist. And so if you were wondering, what does this have to do with Lakeview Church? Well, we exist to make disciples and equip those disciples who will go out and make more disciples. And if we're not interested in doing that, let's just shut the doors. I, I don't know why else we would keep doing what we're doing. That's the, all, the only reason I got. Now, there's a whole bunch of churches out there. We're not one of them, but there are churches out there who would say, well, the reason the church exists is just to take care of church people. No. No, we're the only organization in the world that does not exist for its members. That is not why we are here. That's why Jesus said, the 99 who are found, just leave them. It's like a kid saying, can't we just go have lunch and look for Devin later? No. We gotta go find Devin now because everything else on the agenda just gets pushed to the background while we're still looking for God's lost people. So if you ever wanna be a church that just takes care of church people, you gotta win everybody in Grant County to Jesus for that to happen. Because as long as God still has lost kids in Marion and Grant County, we still have work to do. And that work matters more than anything else we could put on the agenda. And I know right now I am preaching better than you are amening. I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you. Let's become everyday missionaries. Let's, let's let our lives count for the kingdom of God. Let's not get to the end and say, oh, we went to church every Sunday. We lived the rest of the week just however we wanted, but man, Sundays were great. No, let's leverage every moment of every day, wherever we go and whoever we're in front of, to be on mission for God. And let's let him use our lives to make a lasting difference, not just here and now, but for all of eternity. I'm asking you to become an everyday missionary. And so here's how we're going to close this service this morning. If you're here and you say, okay, I'm in. I want to be an everyday missionary. I just want you to stand right where you're at. Just stand up right where you're at.
If you don't want to be an everyday missionary, don't stand. Don't stand. Now, here's what I'd like us to do as we close this service. I actually had a hunch that at least some of you would stand. I didn't know if, if all of you would stand, and if you're not standing, it's okay. But I had a hunch some of you would stand. And so I actually just thought, why should we wait till some far out day in the future to commission you as missionaries? So we're gonna just commission you right now. So if you're willing to be an everyday missionary, I know you stood, but now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to up the ante a little bit here. If you say, okay, I, I do want to be an everyday missionary, and I'm willing right now in front of this body of people to be commissioned to be an everyday missionary, all I want you to do is make your way to the front of the room. And if you're not physically able, it's okay. Just make sure you like nod or wink at me or something so I know that you would be down here if you could be. Just gather right down here, right front. You had no idea that's what church was going to be today. But People are still making their way down front, so make some space, squeeze in. I've got some questions I'm going to ask you, and there are going to be some answers on the screen, so that's your script. I'll, I'll try to prompt you when it's time, okay? The Lord appeared to Moses in a burning bush and called to him saying, put off your shoes from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now by virtue of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, every place we tread becomes holy. Today we come to affirm that the influence that you have each day in your home, your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, and in our community takes place on holy ground and to commission you to do this important work to which God has called you. Brothers and sisters, are you, so far as you know in your own heart, called by God to serve as an everyday missionary by being a spiritual influence with those whom God has entrusted to your care? If so, answer, yes, I am. That's pretty good, guys. Will you identify those whom God has called you to influence? And will you make intentional effort to build trust with them? If so, answer with God's help, I will. Do you commit to diligently seek to discern God's voice through prayer and the reading of God's word? If so, answer, yes, I do. Will you work to bring people together in ways that reflect the love and unity that God calls us to demonstrate? If so, answer, yes, I will. Will you seek to help God search for his lost kids? And when they are found, will you raise them up and develop them to be people of spiritual influence so more and more people can be impacted across our community? If so, answer, as God guides me, I will. It is fitting that your commitment to serve as an everyday missionary and a spiritual influence be sealed with the support of your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is where my envisioning of this moment broke down a little bit because I thought there'd be more of you out there than there are. So you're going to have to pray for each other at this part. And those of you who are out there, I'm going to need you to join us for this one. We're going to pray by stretching out our hands. So if you're near somebody, maybe put a hand on a shoulder. For those of you who are in the congregation, if you feel comfortable doing so, just reach out your hands and then this prayer is going to be on the screen and I want us to read it all together. So let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, as these, your servants, go out to do your will, we pray that you will empower them, affirm them, guide them, and use them for your glory. As the body of Christ, we pledge our support, encouragement, and affirmation to these brothers and sisters in Christ as they serve as salt and light in their home, neighborhood, school, workplace, and in our community. We recognize them as Christ's ambassadors and name as holy ground every place they tread in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. God, I just want to pray for every single person in this room and all who are joining us online right now. God, see into our hearts right now. And God, if we could just collectively say one thing to you, we just want to say, God, here we are. Send us. Lord, I pray that 50 years from now, when they write a history of what in the world ever happened in Marion and Grant County, Lord, that somewhere in that book, Lord, they'll be written about this moment where a couple hundred of your found kids said we are joining the search party for all of your lost kids in our community. And God, I pray that you would use us, not, not for our glory, Lord. It's not about Lakeview. It's not about us. I just pray, Lord, that you would use us for your kingdom and your glory and your honor and your praise. And I pray, God, that Grant County would become known as a place where God's presence is alive and active where the community is transformed by your grace and your power and your strength. I pray that Grant County would be a place where addictions die because the chains are broken and people are set free. I pray that Grant County would be a place known where marriages are whole and families have been rebuilt and restored and held together by the grace and power of God. I pray, Lord, that people who are stuck in patterns of sin would be set free and that Grant County would be a place known as holy ground because of how you are at work among us, Lord. I pray that demons would be cast out and people would be healed and set free. And I pray, Lord, that you would get all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and that, Lord, we would labor for you in this community, knowing that our labor in the Lord is never in vain. So God, put us to work for your name, for your cause, for your glory, and for everything that you do. God, we're gonna give you all the praise and all the honor. And we pray it together in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. amen. You should hug a couple people before you leave, but you are sent out from this place. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.